The Maryland Terrapins and the Nebraska Cornhuskers carry an identical 5-4 and four record, and they have either exactly a 500 record in conference or a sub-500 record in conference. A 3-3, three and three, exactly 500 conference record for Nebraska, and a 2-4 and sub-500 conference record for the Maryland Terrapins. Despite a similar record, and I would argue a similar level of talent and placement by tier within the Big Ten hierarchy and structure, the two universities, their two football programs, they have a different level of optimism and pessimism to them. Let me explain. Nebraska is under a first-year head coach with a new staff. They mainly are relying off of incoming transfers who joined the program for the first time in 2022 or 2023, or younger players like Heinrich Harburg, who've come out of nowhere due to poor performance by starters, and also younger players or players who have dealt with injuries, like Thomas Fedoni, who are coming onto the scene for the first time. By the way, it's awesome that Thomas Fedoni for Go Big Red is leading the team in receiving yards, and he has four receiving touchdowns with 219 receiving yards. We'll talk about him and his team statistics and Maryland statistics later. I just want to give a general overview here. There's optimism surrounding Nebraska. They have a top 25 recruiting class. They're finding ways to win. Right now, Nebraska is on a 5-2 and two run since Heinrich Harburg's become the starting quarterback. They lead the Big Ten in rushing yards per game, and they just know how to be physical. They know how to be tough. Yes, they turn over the football, but their defense is great. Their rushing offense is great, and this is year one for Nebraska. Just going to a bowl game and getting that sixth win would be massive for the program. Meanwhile, for the Maryland Terrapins, Mike Loxley has been there since 2019, Maryland's quarterback, Talia Tagovailoa, has been the starter since 2020. He's on his fourth year starting at Maryland. And Maryland is a program they improved year after year from 19 to 20 to 21 to 22. And they started out 5-0 and this year. And now they're on a four-game slippery slope and very easily could go 5-7 and if they do not win this game, which would be a huge regression from last year's 8-5 and five campaign. There's a lot of pessimism surrounding Maryland right now, but despite that, they're favored to win by ESPN's FPI, they're favored to win by Vegas, and as much as Maryland was humiliated by Penn State 15-51 to 51 last Saturday, losing to a previously 2-6 and six Michigan State team, which was largely viewed as a freebie win, is also humiliating. So both teams, coming off of bad losses... Overall, different feels about their programs. Nebraska, you have that first-year optimism and the fact that Nebraska's just one win away from having their best season since 2016. For Maryland, they are quickly entering the danger zone. And it doesn't look good for Mike Loxley and his program right now. I thought he was getting very close to riding the ship after how competitively they played with Ohio State. But then they lost to Illinois and then to Northwestern, and then they let Penn State, whose offense has been anemic and slow and frustrating all season, carve up their defense, and Maryland rushed for negative 50 yards against a Penn State defense that is elite at defending the run, 
guess what? Nebraska, their defense is maybe not elite at stopping the run, but it's great at stopping the run. So there's a lot of excitement surrounding this game. I am going to be live reviewing and covering Michigan versus Penn State, which is also a noon game. So I probably won't get to watch this game in full live, but I will keep myself updated on this game and certainly watch the highlights and catch a bit of it live if I can. But welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam. Before we dive any deeper into what is a critical game for both teams, make sure to hit that big red subscribe button if you are a fan of Maryland or Nebraska, as both teams' main colors are red. Although Maryland is going to be playing in some beautiful all-white Terps-scripted jerseys, so I cannot wait to see the jersey matchup as well, or the jersey game as I was going to call it before I snuck that little matchup in there. But like this video, subscribe to the channel, click the notification bell so that you can get notified when I produce more Nebraska, Maryland, Big Ten, or college football content, and comment your thoughts and analysis on this game down below. Tell me what you see in this game. There's very likely something that you see that I will completely miss, partially miss, or maybe something that I touch on but I have the incorrect view of in this video. So comment your thoughts down below. Go Big Red and go Terps. And also, last but not least, check out my Patreon page via the link in the description and through the link in the pinned comment at the top of the comment section. Thank you so much for your time. Watch this video all the way through so we can get it into the algorithm and so, so that you don't miss my score prediction. Again, like I've mentioned, both of these teams are 5-4. and four. This game will be also taking place on Peacock, so sorry if you're not attending the game. This is a new thing that's happening this year where a certain amount of Big Ten games have to be streamed on Peacock as part of the new TV deal. This is a part of the TV deal that absolutely sucks because Peacock is a streaming service that YouTube TV and a plethora of other channels or apps don't necessarily carry. You kind of have to install the app on its own unless you go through Peacock's owner and partner, which I think is not CBS Sports, but maybe MSNBC. I don't exactly know. I'm not a TV expert. All I know is that the 2024 through really until to be determined TV deal is so far the best TV deal in all the land. It helps the Big Ten become a better conference and Washington, Oregon, USC, and UCLA coming into the Big Ten on top of that extra revenue for every Big Ten school is going to help this conference become bigger and better. And Nebraska is a team along with Maryland Maryland has been in this conversation, I'd say, for the past two years of a team where when can they make that next jump? Mike Loxley said in the preseason that he thought this team could compete for championships, for Big Ten championships. Now, I thought he was a year early, perhaps, but through their first five games and really their first six after they played Ohio State competitively for three quarters, I thought to myself that you know, maybe he's on to something there. After all, Mike Loxley, Matt Rule, Ryan Day, James Franklin, Jim Harbaugh, every FBS head coach knows way more about the game than I ever will. And because they command their respective locker rooms and teams, they will know more about their teams 
than I ever will. And more than perhaps anyone except some members of their staff or team will ever know. But that's beside the point. Maryland has been in this conversation of taking that next step, of truly competing for championships, despite the fact that they're not a blue blood, they have a great recruiting area, the DMV area, but typically Penn State, North Carolina, Ohio State's grabbed some players from there, Clemson, they typically control that area. And Maryland, they have gotten some players from their recruiting grounds, from their pipeline state of you know Maryland, Virginia, New Jersey, Delaware, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, like that area, the few states that surround Maryland in proximity. But they haven't had as much success recruiting as they had the past few seasons. Despite that, I think Mike Loxley is getting players that more fit his program than just players who have a blue chip label next to them, like let's say Terrence Lewis and other players who are highly touted recruits, but they've transferred out of the program. Maryland has improved, like I've said, over the past several seasons, but this year you're on a four-game losing streak. The team looks worse than they did in 2022. They look worse than they did even in 2021, and in 2021 they had a pretty atrocious defense until the attack of Aloha was very hit and miss. He had a very high ceiling that year, a higher ceiling than I think he's had this year or the past season, but he had a very low floor as well. So Maryland's been in this conversation, and as of this year, and we don't know about the future, but as of this year, no, they're not going to cross into that next tier. And Talia Tagovailoa has one more season of eligibility. Will he come back to Maryland? I expect that he will. So Maryland maybe next year can contend for that spot, for jumping a tier, because they do have an easier schedule. For the Nebraska Cornhuskers, they were potentially in this conversation last year at least from my perspective. I was the guy who famously predicted Nebraska to go 10-2 and two in Scott Frost's final year where he ended up being fired and they went 4-8, and eight, and they beat Iowa. The Cornhuskers beat Iowa despite the fact that I picked them to lose to Iowa as one of their only two losses that season. When Nebraska lost to Northwestern, I thought there was maybe some hope left, but then when Scott Frost lost to Clay Helton and then Trev Alberts ceremonially kicked him out and paid an extra $7.5 million to fire him just less than a month before his buyout would have been sliced in half, you knew that the program was in utter disarray. You knew that Trev Alberts wanted to get an early lead, didn't care about the millions of dollars because Nebraska has donors, Nebraska has money. They have resources, and they'd rather get that early lead of finding their guy and locking him down. And they found their man. They found their head coach in Matt Rule. And Matt Rule right now, you see that his identity is imprinted on this Nebraska team. They love to be physical. They love to run the football. And they're doing it well in spite of an offensive line that is still one of the worst for probably now the sixth, maybe seventh year in a row in Power 5 football. What's changed for Nebraska is they have a great defense. I think Tony White right now is a top 15, top 10 defensive coordinator. He took over a unit that Eric Chenander basically ran into the dirt for 80% of his tenure there. He had a good defense in 2021, but this Tony White defense can be clutch. They get after the quarterback. 
They shut down the run, and even though they've had some problems defending the pass, they're still pretty darn good at it. And I think that with more top 25 recruiting classes and a better use of the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness deals, which Nebraska's been one of the stronger universities with the NIL era and those dealings, Nebraska could jump into that next tier. They could level up in the Big Ten and maybe in the future, perhaps the near future, compete for championships. Nebraska is still in the race to reach Indianapolis if they went out. If they went out right now, the Cornhuskers, again, they are 3-3 three and three in the Big Ten Conference. If they went out, and as long as Minnesota loses one more game and they have to play at Ohio State, so that's very likely. If Nebraska wins out and Minnesota loses to Ohio State, then Nebraska will very likely go to Indy because Nebraska, in that scenario, if they went out, they would have a tie with Iowa, and that's assuming that Iowa wins every other game except for the one against Nebraska, which I don't think will happen. I edited templates for a Rutgers Iowa preview video. Unfortunately, I just didn't have the time this week, but I have produced a lot of content, so I am proud of that fact and happy of that fact. I think Rutgers is going to beat Iowa by double digits. I think they're going to win 20 to 10 in that matchup. I wish I could have made a video on that if I managed my time a little better this week or I just planned things out maybe a day earlier. I probably could have fit it in. But yeah, I think that Rutgers is going to beat Iowa. And if Nebraska beats Iowa as well, they beat Wisconsin, they win this game, and Minnesota loses to Ohio State, then Nebraska, they will finish first with no ties, first in the Big Ten West with a 6-3 and three conference record, and they'll be in Indianapolis. They still control their own destiny in large part for getting to Indy and for reaching the Big Ten championship game. And win or lose in Indy, that's a different discussion. Nebraska being the West Division team would likely be a punching bag. But nonetheless, winning in Indy means that Nebraska would finish likely 8-4 and because they'll likely have to win out to get to Indianapolis. Or maybe they can afford to lose one more game, but you preferably just want to win out. Win, go 1-0. Every week, that's the message that Matt Rule's been preaching. An 8-4 and four season, a 7-5 and five season, heck, just getting to six wins is successful for Nebraska. That's very successful. Maryland, obviously, they're out of the race for winning their division, but they play in the tougher division. They have Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, and typically Michigan State is much better than a 3-6 and six record with a 1-5 and five record in conference play. Maryland's 5-4, and four, though. They're ranked 40th in FPI. Nebraska's ranked 61st. This game is going to be played in Memorial Stadium. That's where the location of this game is in Nebraska. Despite Nebraska and the Cornhuskers having a home field advantage and having an identical record, and in my opinion, Nebraska playing a much more impressive style of football, more Big Ten style of football, one that I think fits better with this weather that we have in November, and one that matches up well with Maryland. Maryland has a tough time beating either teams that can out-scheme them and teams that have better game managers as head coaches 
or teams that are simply more physical than them. Maryland has a really tough time beating competent Big Ten teams. If you look at their previous two seasons when they went 7-6 and six and 8-5, and five, a large chunk of their wins were those three non-conference games that were they just chalked up as wins. Then they went 3-6 and six in the Big Ten Conference in 2021, 4-5 in the Big Ten Conference in 2022. And they competed with Ohio State and Michigan in 2022, but they just couldn't finish. And at the end of the day, it was either Michigan or Ohio State's defense or the physicality or talent superiority of those offenses that helped the Buckeyes and Wolverines pull away. Maryland also lost to Purdue. Northwestern, yes, 11-1, and final year of Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern competed with them. So despite all of those things, there are still a lot of questions surrounding Nebraska. They are one of the worst teams in the country in surrendering turnovers on offense, and when you lose to Michigan State, I know the transitive property really doesn't matter, but you get from the public angle that Maryland beat Michigan State 31-9, to and they didn't turn over the football. Meanwhile, Michigan State had a ton of turnovers. And Michigan State's horrible at turning over the football, much like Nebraska. Nebraska travels on the road to East Lansing. Michigan State at one point holds a double-digit lead over the Huskers. They don't turn over the football, and yet Nebraska melts down. They have an opportunity to come back, but they surrendered. I mean, Nebraska just surrendered an un- unlawful amount of tackles for loss and sacks. It was a horrendous game by Nebraska. They're coming off of that. Now, road win, or road loss, rather, and a close road loss, returning back home might bode well for Nebraska. They're going to be mad. They're going to be frustrated. Despite all those things, again, Maryland is given a 57.3% chance to win, according to FPI. They're favored by two points, according to Vegas. According to Football Power Index, the line should be approximately Maryland 2.5. And 55% of you picked Maryland to win. About 1,260 of you, according to the community poll. Vote on our community polls, by the way. Monday through basically Thursday or sometimes Wednesday, I think in the case of this week when I was much more organized, I released polls asking you all, basically, who do you think is going to win? X game, and you have options to pick. You can pick either Team A or Team B, and your vote counts. Your vote is included in here. 55% of you all who voted, and typically it's about anywhere from 2,000 to 3,000 vote for poll, vote per poll, rather. So more of you, if you can vote, we can get a larger sample size. That would be phenomenal. 55% of you picked Maryland. 45% of you picked Nebraska, and I know that there are a lot more Nebraska fans than there are Maryland fans, so I don't know exactly the fan demographics behind these polls. I'd be very curious to see. I wouldn't be shocked at all if a lot of Nebraska fans were picking Maryland to win, or if a lot of fans that just saw Nebraska's loss to Michigan State and expected Penn State to dominate Maryland if they think that Nebraska, despite losing by three Maryland, meanwhile, they straight up lost by, what, I think 30, 36 points, 37, yeah, 36 points, that Nebraska had the inferior loss because it was to a Michigan State team who's not going to go bowling 
as compared to a Penn State team who still has a shot to win the Big Ten, depending on what they do tomorrow. You get the point. Um, I think that the perception of this game is it's a must-win for both teams. If Maryland loses, they're on a five-game losing streak, and that's bad. The team, I think, they're either already broken or they're this close to breaking for Maryland, and we'll see tomorrow. For Nebraska, they're not broken whatsoever. I think this team right now, there's still an optimistic beat about this team. I think they're going to rally around Matt Rule, around Heinrich Harburg, Emmett Johnson, and they're going to rally around the fan base. Memorial Stadium is loud. It's full of passion. The reason why Memorial Stadium isn't an intimidating place to win is because there haven't been good Nebraska teams to play in Memorial Stadium. It's it's a great environment. And if and when Nebraska becomes good at some point, it will become one of the more intimidating environments to play in in all of college football. But until Nebraska as a team gets better, that won't happen. You can have, you know, a great environment like Ohio Stadium, the Horseshoe, Michigan Stadium, the Big House, Beaver Stadium for Penn State. But if your team is not good or they're not great, they're not elite, what does the home field environment matter? Yeah, you're loud for maybe a quarter and then the air is totally taken out and the despair and the lack of faith immediately return when you realize, oh, our team isn't good again. That's what happened when Michigan, a much better team, came in to Nebraska and just took their head off earlier this season, and the crowd was beginning to empty themselves out by halftime. This game, I would be surprised if that were to happen. I think this will be a competitive matchup. Maryland or Nebraska, I can see either winning in a close Likely defensive battle, given the weather, given the fact that Nebraska's offense isn't good, but Maryland's defense isn't either. However, Nebraska's offense is atrocious. They're very one-dimensional. I imagine Maryland is going to stack the box often. They're going to dare Heinrich Harburg to throw over the top of their defense. Maryland's offense is competent. They're above average. Maybe I'd say they're even good. Nebraska's defense is good to great, though. So I see Nebraska's offense likely struggling in this game, probably just based off of history producing a few turnovers to Maryland's defense. But Maryland's offense is going to have a tough time moving the ball on a stout Nebraska defense, an incredibly stout defense. So if you chose Maryland to win or if you chose Nebraska to win, let me know in the comments section below. I was surprised genuinely to see this many people pick Maryland and actually have my audience as a whole favor Maryland to win. The audience favorite is a Maryland victory, and I guess that shocked me, not only because Nebraska is at home, I think Nebraska is less demoralized, I think Nebraska as a team is getting better throughout the season, I think Maryland is getting worse, it's also because there's a lot of Nebraska fans on this channel. Fans who are showing optimism, or at least most of them were, before that Michigan State loss. But looking at the position advantages, I think Nebraska has the better staff, and they have the better defense. Maryland has the better offense, and they have the better special teams unit. So that's a 6-4 to four position advantage in favor of Maryland. This is, of course, a very simplistic 
chart for position advantages. Next year, I want to have a more complex chart where maybe I can compare where I would grade the quarterbacks. Maybe Nebraska's quarterback has a B grade, but Maryland's has an A grade, for example, and do that for every position because that would give a more, I'd say, expansive expansive idea of what I'm thinking. It would give a spectrum of ranking both position units rather than just saying um, this one's better than this one, but not specifying how much of an advantage each team has over the, the other in a specific position. Hopefully that made sense. The Maryland Terrapins have a quarterback in Talia Tagovailoa who does have some sort of NFL potential. And I say some sort of NFL potential because I'm not an NFL expert but Talia Tagovailoa has an older brother in the NFL who's having quite a lot of success. You might have heard of his name. That's laced with sarcasm. You know who Tua Tagovailoa is. Plays quarterback for the Dolphins, is being very successful in Mike McDaniel's awesome offense. Talia Tagovailoa, year after year, has been hyped up as a great quarterback. Right now, he has 2,486 passing yards. He's completing 65% of his passes. He's averaging 7.4 yards per pass attempt. He has 21 passing touchdowns, 7 interceptions, a 143.9 passer rating. Comparing those stats to two years ago, where Talia Tagovailoa had a 151.1 passer rating, last year he had a 142.7 passer rating, and he has yet to face Michigan's defense. Nebraska's defense will be a test. There's a legitimate chance that he regresses this season compared to 2022, where he was worse than he was in 2021. His completion percentage in 2021 was 69%. It was 67% last year. This year, it's about 65%. Talia Tangavailoa is statistically regressing from what we can see, despite the fact that he's been Maryland's starting quarterback for closing in on four years. And he's had a plethora of talent surrounding him at offensive line, running back, tight end, wide receiver. I don't like what I'm seeing out of him just from a growth standpoint. He's a good quarterback. He's better than Heinrich Harburg. But I think that he has hit his ceiling. Heinrich Harburg is better in a runner and also from the perspective that he has not hit his ceiling yet. Harburg has 967 passing yards, a 110.7 passer rating, seven touchdowns, six picks, but he has 477 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns, and he's really athletic, and he has a good build. He's 6'5", 215 pounds. He's a big guy with a lot of lot of growing left to do. Talia Tagovailoa is 5'11", and 208 pounds. That's not the prototypical height that you would see normally in the NFL. And I'm not saying that Harburg is an NFL quarterback. I'm just saying with that bigger frame and greater athleticism, he has a higher ceiling. But we'll see if he ever you know, achieves at a high level, Harburg does, because it's never a guarantee. And we'll see how the staff develops him. I got to give quarterback, though, to Maryland. Before I jump on the other skill positions and specifically talk about Maryland's rushing attack compared to Nebraska's rushing attack, I want to compare both of these defenses. I think that Nebraska has the better defense than Maryland. I think that's fairly obvious. The Cornhuskers have 28 sacks, 33 passes defended, 7 interceptions, and 5 forced fumbles. 
Maryland's defense has 27 sacks, 25 passes defended. They have nine interceptions, and they have four forced fumbles. The Maryland Terrapins, they have some potential defensively, but on the season, they've allowed 23.8 points per game, which is 52nd in scoring defense. They have the 48th scoring offense, scoring 30.7 points per game. Nebraska, they're outside of the top 100 in scoring offense, but they have a top 25 scoring defense, only allowing 18.8 points per game. They're great at tackling. They're good at shutting down the run. And I look at how they're able to get after the quarterback compared to past seasons where they struggled to hit 20 sacks despite having Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner, Ochon Mathis, a lot of high-ceiling defensive ends and edge rushers that Eric Chenander and Scott Frost just wasted, to be honest. I've been impressed with the job that Tony White has done, and I think if you're Nebraska, you have to you have to give him a raise. You have to give Tony White away a raise. Luke Reimer, Nash Huttmacher, Jamari Butler, these are players that have four sacks or more. Cameron Lenhart has three sacks. James Williams, Nick Henrich, MJ Sherman, John Bullock, they have one and a half sacks or more. Nash Huttmacher and Nick Henrich also have a pass defended. Nebraska's leader in passes defended is Isaac Gifford, who has seven. He also has an interception, a half sack, and 60 total tackles. He also leads the team in tackles, again, with 60 total. Tommy Hill leads the team with three interceptions. This Nebraska defense is physical, straight up. There's no other way to put it, and they will get after you. They have an a great 3-3-5 that confuses offenses, is able to get pressure, but stop the pass, and more critically, they bully you at the line of, of scrimmage. For Maryland, defensively, it's not the same. They have players like Bo Brady, who I think is a good defensive back, five passes defended, an interception. Their leader in sacks is Kellen Wyatt, linebacker, with three and a half, and he has 29 total tackles. And Donald Brown, Trey Colbert, Jay Sean Barham, a preseason All-Big Ten player of mine, and Quashawn Fuller have three sacks. They're all tied for second with sacks with three. Fuller and Colbert also have one forced fumble. Donald Brown has two interceptions. And the leader for interceptions for Maryland is Tarheeb Steele, a great defensive back. Maryland has good players defensively. I just don't think they have the same defensive coordinator or same execution or discipline that Nebraska's defense does. There's also something to note that Nebraska loves to control the clock. Maryland isn't exactly the same. Nebraska is more time of possession focused. Maryland, not so much. And that does make a difference. It really does. Nebraska, on the season, on average, they hold the football for 31 minutes and 6 seconds of possession. Maryland, meanwhile, holds the ball for 28 minutes and 17 seconds of possession. That's a three-minute difference. Doesn't seem like a whole lot, but when you take it as an average and then look across the board and Maryland in big games, especially against Penn State and in other matchups, just got dominated in time of possession. Meanwhile, Nebraska typically matches their opponent in possession, in time of possession, or dominates their opponent, that makes a difference. And Nebraska knows how to wear down and lean on an opposing defense while trusting their own defense. 
Maryland would prefer to engage in a shootout as opposed to a defensive battle. The problem is that's uncharacteristic of the Big Ten. The only Big Ten team that's been able to do that, engage in a shootout as opposed to a defensive mud match, is Ohio State. And despite going 11-2 and in 2021 and 2022 playing that style of football, at the end of the day, when they met Michigan, the most physical team in the Big Ten, Michigan forced the Buckeyes to play the game that the Wolverines wanted to play. So the Big Ten is an extremely physical conference. Nebraska, I think in their rushing attack and in their defense, has the physicality edge over Maryland. But why am I giving Maryland the edge at running back and offensive line if Nebraska is the more physical team? And for Maryland, I think it's obvious that at wide receiver, they have the better players. And I think that you look at tight end, and Thomas Fedoni is a good player, but I think Corey Deitches is a better player. Corey Deitches has 361 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown, and 37 receptions. He's an extremely reliable tight end, Corey Deitches is. And Thomas Fedoni is as well. He has 219 receiving yards, four receiving touchdowns, 11.5 yards per reception. I just think that Deitches is a more proven tight end, and Preston Howard and Rico Walker, Maryland also has more depth at the tight end position as well. At receiver, Maryland has four receivers with 400 yards or more. Nebraska only has one receiver with over 200 yards. That's Billy Kemp IV, who has 216 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown. Maryland does not have the same success on the ground that Nebraska does. They only have 1,000 54 rushing yards, they average 4 yards per carry, and have 13 rushing touchdowns. Nebraska, meanwhile, has 1,669 rushing yards. They have 14 rushing touchdowns, and they average 4.5 yards per carry. Nebraska, however, has 368 carries. Maryland is 262. So Nebraska has a grand total of 106 more carries than Maryland does. And if you run that stubbornly, especially when you have an athletic dual-threat quarterback like Heinrich Harburg, as opposed to a pro-style quarterback with some maneuverability in Talia Tagovailoa, you are going to have that higher yards per carry average. You're going to get more big plays the more you run, as long as you're not consistently facing elite defenses every week, which Nebraska hasn't. The Big Ten has great defenses Poor offenses, but not every Big Ten team is an elite defense. Illinois doesn't have an elite defense, and Nebraska ran down their throat. Michigan State doesn't have an elite defense either. They have a a good front seven, maybe an above-average front seven. They have a very bad secondary. Uh, Nebraska struggled to run against them because they're one-dimensional. That's also why Nebraska has success on the ground is because they're one-dimensional. Maryland has the more balanced offense, and as much as Nebraska has an advantage in their rushing attack compared to Maryland. Maryland has an even larger advantage in their passing attack compared to Nebraska. So Maryland, they have the better offense. Nebraska has the better defense. Both teams do have solid kickers. I just think overall in terms of special teams efficiency, Maryland is top 50. Nebraska's outside of the top 50 according to ESPN efficiency, and that's how I decided who has the better special teams unit. But I do think that Nebraska has the better coaching staff. I think Matt Rule is a better game manager than Mike Loxley. 
here are some players to watch. I think the quarterbacks of this game will determine the victor. I think if Talia Tagovailoa plays a clean game, he is able to run the ball just a little bit, but really exploit Nebraska's weakness on defense, which is their secondary, utilizing Jay Sean Jones, Caden Prather, Corey Deitches, Ty Felton, Roman Hemby, and Octavian Smith. All of those players are good with their hands. Roman Hemby, the running back, has 231 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns, by the way. So Maryland has a great set of skill players who are very involved in the passing game. If Maryland can successfully pass the football while not rushing for negative yardage and at least keeping Nebraska's defense honest, they can enter Memorial Stadium and come out with a win and end this four-game skid that they're on. For Nebraska, if you're Heinrich Harburg, we can't expect him to have a completely clean game. He has less experience than Tagovailoa. He's not as polished of a passer. And given Nebraska's lack of a wide receiver core and really only having one good tight end in Thomas Fedoni, he is going to have to take risks. And he's going to be more of a running quarterback. Maryland's defense is not a great defense, though. So if you're Heinrich Harburg, you have to play a relatively clean game. Some mistakes are allowed, of course. I don't think that his margin for error is as tight as Talia Tagovailoa's will have to be. But Maryland is a team that will capitalize off of turnovers, and they can score. They score on average about 30 points per game. And Heinrich Harburg has to run the football effectively. He has to read defenses when he has the option to you know, pull away from Emmett Johnson or Anthony Grant. Improvised scrambles are great. And only throw when receivers are wide open, unless you have to take a risk, like you're down late in the football game. Do not fling the football into double or triple coverage because your defense is good enough to limit this Maryland offense to scoring in the 20s, perhaps the high teens. I would expect that if Maryland reaches 30 points, they're winning this football game, and that's possible. But with how bad Maryland's defense has played, where Northwestern hung 33 on them and Illinois hung 27 on them, maybe Nebraska can win in a 35 to 31 or 35 32 or 34 to 31 style of game against Maryland. There's a lot of unknown with both of these teams. I just think this game's going to be close. I think that's why the spread's only Maryland minus 2. I think that the winner of this game will win by a touchdown or less. And I'm going with Nebraska. I think the Cornhuskers are going to win 20 to 17. I think right now they're the better team than Maryland, honestly. They will clinch bowl eligibility behind a strong defensive performance, and they'll have 150 or more rushing yards. Maryland, I think, will have 200-plus passing yards, but they'll have less than 50 rushing yards. It'll, they'll have a very similar performance to Michigan State against Nebraska, except the Cornhuskers are at home, so this time they're winning 20-17 to rather than losing 17-20. to the Terrapins will fall to 5-5 five and five after starting 5-0, and oh, and with Michigan and Rutgers to close out the season after what I expect will be a loss in Memorial Stadium, the Terrapins will be dangerously close to going 5-7, and seven, and that would not be good. I think that this game will just further the emotions surrounding these two football teams. Nebraska clinching eligibility will give the fan base and the staff more optimism and more confidence especially heading into games against Wisconsin and Iowa teams who I think are just as beatable as Maryland is right now. 
Maryland, on the other hand, there will be even more pessimism surrounding the program, especially if they go 5-7 and seven and miss a bowl game after starting out 5-0 and oh and competing with Ohio State. Maryland looked so close against Ohio State to making that jump, and then they just they didn't handle it well. I don't know exactly what happened. I know that they had some injuries. Their offensive line has really regressed. That's another reason why I, at the end of the day, picked Nebraska to win this game. Talia Tagovailoa has been sacked 12 times in his past two games against Penn State and Northwestern. He was sacked three times against Illinois and two times by Ohio State. In Maryland's five wins to open up the season, Talia Tagovailoa only got sacked three times in five games. That's less than one sack allowed per game. Against Ohio State, Illinois, Northwestern, and Penn State, Talia Tagovailoa on average has been sacked for more than four times per game. He's been sacked 17 times in his four losses. And Nebraska, like I've said, they've been able to get pressure. They they have 28 sacks on the season. They got a lot of them, or a fair amount of them, against Michigan State and Minnesota, teams who have decent offensive lines in terms of Michigan State and a good offensive line for Minnesota. Maryland has nothing more than a good offensive line at best. They might have a below-average or bad offensive line at worst, especially considering how they struggled to run in their previous three games and just got manhandled by Northwestern and Penn State at the lines of scrimmage. That being said, Nebraska's offensive line isn't elite either. They've given up 24 sacks on the season, but I trust Matt Rule more as a head coach than I do Mike Loxley, and Nebraska has a home field advantage. They're coming back home after facing a humiliating road loss. Maryland got punked, and they got beaten to a pulp in their own house, and they're on a four-game losing streak. I think a four-game losing streak after feeling like you were so close to jumping a tier is much more demoralizing than starting from the bottom, already meeting or succeeding or exceeding expectations if you win here against Maryland. I think Nebraska's already met most preseason expectations with five wins and then getting knocked a little back to reality. So 20-17, to 17, Nebraska beats Maryland. Thank you so much for watching this video. I want to give a quick shout-out to my Patreon supporters, Crash2488, Anthony McDowell, Justin Rogg. Thank you for being Heisman patrons. Thanks to Spencer Bringhurst, Noah DLC, and SFS Inverted for being All-American patrons. And thank you to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, Austin Christmas, and Zubin Zah for being all-conference patrons. Have a phenomenal night, guys, and go Big Red. I'll be rooting for Nebraska tomorrow. Have a great day.